Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. They both said that they had seen the woman, Ashley Murphy, in a tracksuit. One of them said it looked like a GAA tracksuit. She also said that paramedics arrived on the scene and tried to resuscitate Miss Murphy, but couldn't do so, so she was then pronounced dead. She also outlined that there was a DNA sample taken from Joseph Pushka that matched DNA that was recovered from underneath Ashley Murphy's fingernails, and she said that there's a 1 in 14,000 chance this DNA belonged to another person. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The trial of Joseph Puska, accused of the murder of Ashley Murphy in Tullamore in January 2022, opened at the Central Criminal Court this week. Today I'm speaking to Crime World's Claude Amini about the witnesses who came upon the scene and the prosecution's opening statement. I'm Niall Donald and this is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. We have the second day's evidence is just completed, Cloda. Yesterday was really the opening statement where the prosecution are laying out their case. Their case is obviously that Joseph Puska is guilty of murdering Ashling Murphy. And we heard an opening statement yesterday. But today we heard from a lot of witnesses who came on the scene, really was the bulk of the evidence today. And who, who was first up today? So today, the first witness on the stand was actually Detective Sergeant Paul Curran. Now, he was just there basically to give evidence that he was the one who took photographs of the scene. Um, he took a number of different photographs from the scene on the ground and as well as from a drone from above the ground. So he just explained that he was the guard there on the day and he described each image to the jury. But interestingly enough, then we had two very um, significant witnesses on the stand this morning. The first of those was a woman named Gemma Stack. Now, she's a primary school teacher from Tullamore um, on the day of the January 
2022, so the day that Ashing Murphy was killed, she was, um, she finished school, so she was a teacher as well herself, perhaps a different school to the one that Ashing taught in, because as we know, she was a 23-year-old school teacher. Uh, that day, she met a friend at about 10 past three on the Dangan Road car park to go for a run along the canal. Now, the Dangan Road car park is adjacent to the canal, so the plan was that they were going to meet there, and her friend, Aoife Marin, was on maternity leave, so it just kind of suited them to go that time that day. Usually, they would never jog around that time. They they normally go on a Saturday, but for whatever reason, the Saturday part, they had missed their run. So they decided to meet up and go that day. Now, Jenna Stack was, um, she left her car in the car park unlocked because her daughter was in the secondary school, uh, the other side of, of the car okay. park. And she was conscious that her daughter was in the car waiting for her. So they said they were going to have a quick run. Um, and to them, a quick run was seven kilometres. Right, so three, okay. three half up and three and a half back. Um, and she was conscious that she had to get back to the car for her daughter. He was sitting there in the in the unlocked vehicle. So that day, uh, they basically they started out on the run and everything was normal. She said that on the course of the run, she saw an aluminous green bike in hedgerow. Now this stood out to her because she thought it was a very fancy looking bike, and she kind of wondered out loud to her friend Aoife um, what it was doing there. She thought that um, it didn't look like somebody had falling off it in right, particular. Right, so wouldn't expect to find bikes lying around. No, no, not particularly. You know, this very fancy bike. You know, another thought that crossed her mind that perhaps it had been stolen and then kind of hidden because it was kind of in brush so she kind of wondered out loud and they kind of continued jogging on a couple of meters later they could hear um some distinct rustling in the hedgerow at the side at this point she said she looked through and she saw a man in the hedgerow and she said that he was holding down a girl she was hunched he was hunched over her now while she went on to say that he she couldn't actually see his arms his hands or his legs she could see that he was hunched down over her and it looked because she was looking down this kind of ditch which was kind of slanted downwards in towards where the man and the girl, she was looking down upon this and she heard this rustling kind of like uh, branches cracking. Um, and, you know, she kind of got a bit of a fright. She said that... She, they, they, they they attempted to intervene or to, to try and yes. find out what was happening? Yeah, so at this point she kind of thought that maybe the man had fallen off the bike and into the ditch. So she kind of asked... Um, are you okay? I think it was. Do you need help? Yeah. So she was asking if he needed help. Um, and then he kind of, he turned around and she said that she noticed he had these distinct eyebrows. His teeth were kind of gritted and he kind of shouted, get away at them. Um, the man that, that was in the hedgerow was wearing a Navy bomber jacket. Um, she said that he spoke with a foreign accent as well. And again, she couldn't see, see his legs or his hands and she couldn't actually hear anything, but she inferred that he had his hands over the girl's mouth because she couldn't hear any screaming but she could see her and, legs kicking and so at this point she obviously recognized there was a woman there as well and she at this point she she does describe and it was you know very sort of vivid detail i suppose about how the, the woman seemed to be struggling and 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 attempting to 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 survive basically yeah so at this point when she was kind of describing this um she got visibly kind of distressed on the stand and you could hear um a lot of emotion from her family from Ashley Murphy's family um the woman said Jenna said that um the girl was lying on the ground and using all her strength uh, kicking like a scissor she said that she could see and obviously this woman she's going for a run she kind of knew her she knows you know, her way around a gym, I would say. Yeah. She kind of said that it seemed like she was using her core muscles and, and kicking her legs as hard as she could. She also said, quote, um, to the man, quote, I'm calling the guards um, to get off her. 
in a bid to get the man to leave the girl alone. At this point, he bunched up and made a sudden movement as if to go and frighten them. Um, she Jenna also said that at this point, uh, she knew something bad was happening and she said, quote, I thought he was going to rape her. Yeah. Now, at this point as well, obviously, they the two joggers left the scene and they didn't have their phones with them, obviously, because they had been running. So it, they seem to have described trying to then go and, and find somebody else for to, to, to help them, basically. Yeah, so they described that they... What happened was they kind of left the scene running. Um, they were kind of panicked. The other woman, Aoife Marin, said she she didn't really think much until um, Jenna suggested calling the guards. And at that point, she thought she was terrified and she thought that the man was going to come after her. Um, they first came upon two men who were standing up at the top of um, a bridge, kind of, kind of away from the scene. And here they said that they interacted with these two men and asked them to call the guards. But they became frustrated with these men because they weren't really acting with any um, urgency. urgency. Whatever, yeah. yeah, they were kind of taking a bit of time. So what happened was Jenna stayed there and Aoife ran over to um, the house of a man that she knew who was who was a mechanic. Um, she went to his house and got a phone to contact the guardie. Uh, Jenna, she also went to another house. Actually, her brother-in-law's parents lived nearby um, where this bridge was and she went to that house and explained what happened and asked for a phone to ring the guards. She tried to tell them where she was and what was going on yeah. and that she thought this woman was was being raped. Yeah. So obviously then um, they, they, these women are taken through their statements, which is normal in, in, a, in a trial like this. Um, and then they were ultimately cross-examined by Mr. Puska's uh, defence counsel. Obviously, Mr. Puska has, has uh, pled not guilty to all the charges. So what sort of what was his kind of line of questioning, I suppose? His line of questioning to uh, the witness was was it possible that uh, Mr. Pushka was actually just helping the woman in the ditch? Um, you know, she said that she couldn't see his legs and, he, the, you know, the defence counsel had asked, well, is it perhaps because his, his legs were stuck in the briars? It was a very brambly area at the side of the overgrowth was, was very overgrown yeah. in that area. Um, and she said, you know, she believed from kind of the energy she got from from what was going on between the woman's legs and the fact that he was crouched over her, the fact that she said that he kind of turned around and growled at them, that this was not the case. Yeah, and I think even even the defence counsel even said that, that you know, it could be that his client wasn't intending to be aggressive and that what Miss Stack had heard was Mr. Puska calling out in pain. I think he was saying he could have he could have caught his legs in the briars. Yeah, so that's what the, the defence had put to the witness, that perhaps it was the case that, that Mr. Pushka wasn't actually... Um, the person who had maybe perpetrated this injuries yeah. on Ashing Murphy, and it was in fact he was just on the scene trying to help. And of course, he did say specifically that that he had been instructed by his client that Mr. Murphy was was holding Mr. Puska's forearm, or as the witness described, because he was trying to stop the bleeding. Um, yeah. You didn't see that defence solicitor asked, and Miss Stack says no. So that's obviously going to be a, that's a key bit of the evidence today. Obviously, the, the guards, the prosecution, take take the witness through the case and then they get cross-examined. Now, in the afternoon, there was a number of other witnesses from people that were in or around the scene on the day. Absolutely, yes. There was two other men on the stand. There was Enda Malloy, who was a Tullamore native who Aoife knew, and he also knew Aoife, who was one of the, the joggers, that, or one of the runners that had come across the scene. And there was a man named uh, Janusz Wilko, who was a Polish man who lived in Tullamore. Now, he gave his evidence through a translator. 
both of their evidence was basically that they had been there and they had bumped into both of the runners. They had seen the runners, i.e. Eva and Jenna, ahead of them. The other side, speaking to two men, um, they were kind of loud, waving their arms. They seemed to be agitated. This was at the point where Jenna and Eva were trying to get those two men they'd seen to call the guards, but were being very slow about it. At this point, then, there was another two men, Charlie Kelly and Colin Pettit, who were also on the scene. They had been on the on the canal that day cleaning it. They were, they were um, power cleaning it. And they were working for Waterways Ireland and it's their job to kind of upkeep the canal. Now on that day they were there and they had also run into the two runners who, you know, they also said were being were agitated and distressed. And the women had said to them, two men, there's a woman being attacked, there's a man on top of her. And they said that there was also a bicycle down there. Now, one of them said that his initial thought was that there had been a bicycle crash and the other one sort of thought, well, these things can happen between couples. They didn't really think anything more of it. However, they did rush down towards the scene while the two women went on to get help. At this point, they also bumped into both the cyclists. Now, both of those cyclists, Enda Malloy had been speaking to Aoife and was on his way back to the scene anyway. Because he was on a bike, he was able to get there a lot faster. But the two men bumped into Janzus Wilco, who they asked to go back to the scene as well to try and help again because he was on a bike and he could get there a lot faster. So they both cycled back down to the scene. At this point, Enda had been on the phone to the Gardaí uh, reporting what had been found, trying to explain where he was. He knew the area very well, so he was able to tell them between what bridge and what kind of pathway they were on. Um, and the two men were also there Um you know, they observed the scene. So they both said that they had seen the woman, Ashling Murphy, in a tracksuit. One of them said it looked like a GAA tracksuit. Her face was covered with her long hair. One of them said that her leg was suspended up against a tree and she had a small smear of blood on her left hand. And he said that he knew that she was dead because there was a little colour on her hands. And um, he said that they were very pale. And the other one as well um, mentioned that they were in wet gear and that they kind of they didn't touch the body. None of the cyclists touched the body. Neither did those men, nor did they touch the bicycle that was on scene. So this is all kind of filling out the, the picture from the people who were there at the scene. I mean, this is the second day of the case. The first day we had, I suppose, the opening statements and the opening statements in all these cases, the prosecution go first. They're going to make the case that this man, Joseph Puska, is, is guilty of murder. Obviously, his defence then will say he is not guilty of murder. He's 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 pled not guilty, but the prosecution laid out their case in 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 an opening speech. Anne Marie Lawler, senior counsel. I mean, what you know, what evidence is she has she told us that she's going to present through the course of this trial? Like, yeah, so as you said, the opening statement there, it's, you know, she kind of did state that it's a roadmap of the evidence expected to be heard in the future. What she says isn't the actual evidence. So the case is being heard by uh, Mr. Justice Tony Hunt had opened there yesterday in front of a jury of nine men and three women. So during the opening speech, she kind of did that. She laid out exactly what was going to happen. Um, at the beginning of her opening speech, she spoke to the jury, kind of spoke to the publicity around the case. She asked the jury not to take into consideration anything they heard out of outside of the courtroom um, and she said that while the court won't hear much about the victim um, Ashing Murphy as the trial is all about Joseph Pushka she did ask them to be cold and clinical in their kind of approach to the case and ask them not to be sympathetic yeah because I mean that, that that and that's sometimes people you know find that that bit of court case is unusual in that the 
the victim. You don't necessarily get a picture of the victim, the victim, but it, it's because there is one person charged with murder and the case focuses on their guilt or not guilt, as the case may be. Absolutely. I mean, I suppose with the in with legislation in Ireland, they have a right to due process. So yeah. he's considered innocent throughout all this, even yeah. up to the point where they go off to do the deliberations. Yeah. He has to be considered as an innocent man. Um, so she did reiterate that to them, that they, you know that they had to kind of come at it with, with that kind of view. Um, so she said that uh, Ashing Murphy and Joseph Pushka had no prior connection to each other and they didn't know each other. Um, she outlined that Ashling left school at around um, that evening and she was killed around 3.30pm. She had gone to the canal for some exercise. Now she described that Ashley Murphy had died a violent death. Now we didn't know until yesterday what that death was because the post-mortem results were kind of held for you know, the purposes of the investigation. Um, so we heard that she received um, 12 stab rooms. 11 of those were to the right side of her neck. And she said that further um, evidence of defence wounds would be presented um, in post-mortem evidence. Now, interestingly, today, uh, before the, the witnesses came to the stand, Mr Bowman for the defence said that there was three admissions that he would make that were accepted as fact by Joseph Pushka, which means that there are three things that he accepts are true and there is no need for evidence to be presented on those. So the three pieces of fact were that Ashing's body was taken to Tullamore Hospital. The second was that Ashing Murphy was identified by her brother. And the third that was the cause of death was um, stab wounds that no other contributory factors. However, prosecution may still bring post-mortem evidence to prove those defence wounds. Yeah. No one actually seen the attack, she stated, and she said that the, that the trial would hear from the two witnesses, which we heard from today, who came upon the incident. Um, and the prosecution said that, you know, they would describe the attack and the attacker, both of which they did. They also heard today from others who were in the vicinity, who they she outlined yesterday in the opening statement. She also said that paramedics arrived on the scene and tried to resuscitate Miss Murphy, but couldn't do so. So she was then pronounced dead. She also outlined that there was a DNA sample taken from Joseph Pushka that matched um, DNA that was recovered from underneath Ashing Murphy's fingernails. And she said that there's a one in 14,000 chance this DNA belonged to another person. So, and also um, then there was um, the, the guard interviews, obviously after Mr. Mr. Puska was arrested, they were, they were also detailed in the opening in the opening statement. What what was said there and, and what Mr. Puska said to the guard, the guardie at the time? Yeah, so at the time, um, they kind of went through um, some CCTV evidence. So there's yeah. gonna, that seems like it's going to be a big feature in this case. Um, but what happened was Joseph Puska first came into contact with Gardy when he was in hospital in St. James's Hospital on the 13th of January. Now, he was taken to that hospital by ambulance from a home in Crumlin. He was seen on CCTV arriving at that home in Crumlin on the morning of January 13th. Um, at about lunchtime, CCTV showed him leaving the house in Crumlin by the ambulance. And now when he went into the home on CCTV, he had um, a full beard. But when he came out of the home, he had no beard. He was clean shaven. Uh, he was then taken to the hospital where he had said he was stabbed. Now, there was a stabbing in Blanchardstown. Uh, I think the day prior, and he had told Gardy that he was a victim of that stabbing. Um, however, what Joseph Pushka was telling Gardy didn't actually kind of total up with what, what had happened. According to the prosecution, According, anyway. Exactly, yes. Yeah, they said that the, the story didn't match what um, he had told Gardy about the stabbing. And then after hearing how the man had travelled from Tullamore to Dublin, investigators back in Tullamore on the Ashley Murphy case went to speak with him. 
the jury will hear two separate discussions that Joseph Pushka had with Gardy. In one um, conversation they had, um, he was asked to buy his bike, which he said he didn't have it in his possession for about two weeks. And during a second visit in which Gardy returned to the hospital, this time they came back with a search warrant. And when Gardy said that they were investigating Ashley Murphy's death, he allegedly told Gardy, quote, I did it, I am the murderer. He also said that he didn't do it intentionally and alleged that he said that he was sorry. He also expressed worries about the safety of his family because he was in fear that the Murphy family might carry out a revenge attack and hurt them. He also went on to allegedly say that he saw a girl that he never saw before and he had a knife with him in his possession that he used for a chain. He then said, quote, when she passed, I cut her neck and she panic, I panic he said. And then he allegedly asked, uh, will I go for 10 years before pointing to his stomach and said, I do this. Um, it's at this point then the prosecution said that no one knew how Ashley Murphy died, um, but, but he did. And then the jury heard from two witnesses who basically there were just two witnesses. The, one of them was a cartographer who was um, a civilian member of Garda Shiokana. Yeah. So he basically makes maps. So he kind of presented his maps to the jury outlining the area of the scene around the canal, the different areas that the witnesses then went to to get help and where the CCTV footage that we will eventually see was taken and um, so he was just confirming that and the second witness we had was a guard photographer who kind of just set, you know gave evidence of um photographs that she had taken of the scene she'd got there that evening there was industrial lighting set up to take the photographs you know it was seven o'clock it was a january cold um dark evening and um, she said that inside the tent there was a female inside and she presented her booklet of photographs that she took off the scene to the jury and those photographs included a bicycle a pink bobble hat blue nike runners and some bloody sticks and brambles within the overgrowth so the case is is into day two is there any any suggestion about how long it could run or at present um the prosecution is looking at about four to five weeks um i mean again this is how long is a piece of string we don't exactly. know how long it will be no and of course then the defense have to present their case and that that's sort of unknown of course at this stage well it's no doubt it's something that we'll try and keep coming back to um, and trying to keep updates on, on crime world so absolutely okay thanks Thank very much Claudia. you've been listening to crime world a podcast from sundayworld.com produced by ian mullaney and edited by me nicola talent research assistant is clodamini if you like this show and love true crime leave us a review or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from ireland and across the globe would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.